So one of my first industry jobs was I was a production assistant on an indie film that shot in New York, and I lived in Washington Heights. So when I saw In the Heights, which is out now on HBO Max and in theaters, part of me was wondering, did they really shoot this in Washington Heights? Because I lived there, and that's not what I remember it being like. So I was really surprised when I spoke to cinematographer Alice Brooks about the film that she revealed to me, yes, in fact, it was all shot there, almost all of it, including some scenes where I was absolutely sure they did not, they were not shot there. So I am corrected in the course of this interview, which is great. I learn a lot about how they used the actual location. I learned a lot about where Alice's inspirations came from, how much she loved classic movie musicals, which you could sort of deduce by watching the film. But look, In the Heights is a great piece of cinema. They took something from the stage. They brought it to life in a cinematic way that uh, has to be seen to be understood fully. You can't really do it justice just talking about it. It borrows from the legacy of movie musicals. It adds all kinds of things that have never been in movie musicals. And it's it's great. And it's, you know, it's Lin-Manuel Miranda. So of course it's great. But anyway, Alice is a really great interview. And she has a lot of insight into her process as a DP and her collaboration with various departments and the director. And, you know, hopefully you will learn as much as I did in talking to her. I want to talk about sort of where you began as a cinematographer and where your career started. But, you know, In the Heights, which is out now everywhere and is amazing and visually amazing. Can you tell us how you got the job to shoot this big musical adapted from a stage? You know, it's a, and it's so visually alive and complex that I'm curious how it came to be for you. So I met John Chu at USC 20 years ago. We both went to film school there. And while we were there, he asked me to shoot his short musical, When the Kids Are Away. And we bonded over our love of musicals at that point. Uh, we, I grew up watching musicals. My, my dad was a playwright. My mom was an actress and a singer. And Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers' movies were on in our house all the time. And well, now I don't have to ask specifically about the inspiration for dancing on the side of a building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now no, I know I the mean, answer to that question. <laughs> well, John, John has an equal amount of, or maybe more, not uh, musical history knowledge than I do, and and but but that we we bonded over our love of musicals, and and we did a dance series together in. I don't know, 2008 and 2008, we did dance series together called the Legion of Extraordinary Dancers, where we started working with Chris Scott as a choreographer. And so the three of us, and we've done a bunch of other music driven things over the years together. And then I was doing an Apple TV series that John directed the pilot for in, in Vancouver when he asked me to shoot in the Heights. And it was 
I mean, it was a dream come true. I knew I had known he was attached to in the Heights for a long time. And, and it was definitely something I wanted to do. And I was just so ecstatic that he wanted me to be the person to collaborate with him. Yeah. So you were kind of aware of just having collaborated with him in the past of what was going on in his career. And so. Yeah. I mean, it was in the trades. I, I mean, it was sort of like, we 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 have a whole group of friends who went to USC together who we all still work and hang out together and and I mean it was you know well known that he was going to do it in the heights at some point and had you seen the show when it was on stage I did not see the show but when I knew he was going to do the the movie I started listening to the music and and started sort of visualizing. I, I started just like anytime I would see an image, I'd collect it and throw it in a file that that could possibly be some future reference for In the Heights. What kind of things can you tell me? Lots of different things. Like I saw, I mean, it, it, doing a dance on the side of the building on the side of a building had been like this thing that Chris, John, and I had wanted to do for years. I saw a, a dance troupe called Bandaloop who dances on the side of buildings all over the world. They go to different cities and do and perform and they'd use wires. And, and so I would, I, I looked like, so that was just one of many, many different things, but like, like anytime I'd see, see something that on Instagram or in passing or at a museum or in a, in a magazine, I would, snap a pic and throw it in a file on my computer. What other kinds of things were like that made it in, in the end? Were there other like kind of like random things you saw in your, and ended up being in the finished product? You were like, Oh, it's great. Oh my it's gosh. I had so many images. I don't, <laughs> there was this one image and actually John, when we both started sharing our images, John, it, it, it happens more often than not where we end up with almost all like tons of the same references, but there was a shot there there were we both had like several fire escape shots that both that were inspiration there were there there's a i can't even remember who the photographer was but a photograph of all these people stand on in a um, brick building with lots of different colorful outfits on and they're all standing in windows and that sort of became inspiration for um it won't be long now when the when with the fabrics coming out of the windows. It, I mean, these were people, but, the, but that idea of just these colorful, colorful clothing and colorful fabrics. There is so much visual, for lack of a better word, inspiration in the movie from the way the culture influences to the way the city, to the way musicals of the past, obviously there's some like Busby Berkeley <laughs> in there to, you know, there's just so much it's packed in there. And it's amazing thinking that it, last summer, I guess I'll start off. I'll, I'll ask this question this way. Last summer, Hamilton came out, right? And it was the stage production. And it was also Lin-Manuel Miranda. And we saw a stage production. And so this year, again, in the summer, like we get this big Lin-Manuel Miranda musical, but it's the complete opposite because this was so cinematic. You know, it wasn't taking place on a stage. I'm really curious, and I think probably a lot of people who watched it are like, what the process for you and John and was Lynn involved in the talking through how we are going to make this such a visual experience, like a cinematic visual experience? 
so Chiara um, wrote the stage book or the play, the, the, the script for the musical, and Lynn wrote the music um, for In the Heights. And Chiara then wrote our screenplay. And, and Chiara and Lynn and John, I believe, worked together for a really long time on developing, on developing the screenplay to adapt it from the stage to the screen. And so by the time I was involved, they were doing one final rewrite, but but most of John's ideas were in it. Um, he, in, I mean, you can read all over the place. Lynn says John had this huge idea for the, these musical numbers, and and they were. I mean, it, it, it you go see the stage show, and it's vastly different than the movie in terms of, uh, and, you know, there's no swimming pool with 500 people. He's, you know, right. John, <laughs> that's a huge swimming pool. <laughs> there's no sw- I've I lived in Washington Heights for a little while. There's no pool that big there. <laughs> there is. It's in Washington Heights. Oh, really? The pool is? Yeah, it's the Highbridge Park swimming pool, and it's if you walk down 174th Street, it, it, you can. Did you guys shoot the, it there? We shot it there. You can take the exact oh my God. same walk. Well, I stand the, the guys take. <laughs> No, it's, it's like, it used to be wow. the water system for the, for the reservoir system for New York City in the 1900s. And then it became a public park. And yeah, there are these two huge public swimming pools right there in Washington Heights. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad that I was wrong. I'm glad that I was corrected. And now that that's even more inspired then, because it's like, I had thought like I was, I, I obviously didn't explore enough, but I, I had thought that you had t- taken this you guys took this big idea of doing like the Busby Berkeley, like, like water number. And you were like, let's just blow up what it would be if it was a public pool in New York city and like, make it like big and larger than life. But in fact, you just, that's what it is. That's crazy. Yeah, no, John, uh, John, uh, Kiara, John and Lynn, uh, Lynn, they took Lynn and Kiara live in Washington Heights and they took, they took John on, on a tour of Washington Heights before they started re or before they started writing the script. And they were with locations people on. And at the end of the day, John's like to Kiara, he's like, what else do you have? And, and he, he wanted like the insider scoop instead of the location person's ideas. And she, she's like, well, there's the swimming pool we go to every day in the summer. Do you want to look at that? He's like, yes. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay. Well, in fairness, I was there in the winter, so it was probably not <laughs> open, but that's so cool. So when you tech scout, like when did you come into the scouts? Like they obviously, like a lot of these things are decided and they've, you know, the script's written, but like you're looking at it and saying, okay, we're going to, you know, shoot this crazy sequence in this pool. Like what, what cameras did you shoot on and what was prep like? So I arrived in New York in March, 2019 for 10 weeks of prep before we started filming. And some locations were definitely chosen like the swimming pool there were other locations that um john chu chris scott uh john chu chris scott and um myron kirsten so the editor the production designer and the costume designer and myself all came from the tv series that we were doing together in vancouver to washington heights to do in the heights so we had just been working together for a long time and while we were in the or while we were in vancouver the production designer came came to new york for a weekend just to look for the bodega the main intersection and when he left vancouver i said to him nelson you've got to find me a southwest a southwest bodega and in the end that's what we ended up with um I, for lighting purposes i wanted a, i wanted a bodega on the southwest corner 
Can you explain to us your reasoning or your the necessity? Without going into a lot of detail, it just had to do with the sun path. So I wanted, when we looked at the bodega, when we were looking south, I wanted it to be be lit from the south if the sun were, were in that direction, or I wanted it to be in the afternoon lit from lit from the west, so that so that the bodega always had had this great light light source coming towards it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we have so many of our listeners or cinematographers or camera department and aspiring to be. So that's the kind of thing that is so useful to know that you would identified like, this is where I want the natural light to be coming from. And then, and I mean, it all worked out perfectly because that bodega, the, the, where, where the bodega is, was great. The, the, it, the street lines up perfectly with the George Washington bridge. And in the summer, the sun lines perfectly up with the street in the months we were shooting there. So it, it ended up being fantastic. So I was involved in conversations before I got to New York for sure. And then when I got to New York, we started looking at all the other searching for all the other locations of Whale's apartment. We we thought maybe we'd build that on the sound stage and then and the Rosario apartment, but both of those ended up uh, the Abuelas we found actually right there in our intersection. There's a there's a, a brownstone that we that we were able to get into and it was really modern inside and the production designer did a beautiful job with it. But it it's a very narrow apartment. It's 15 feet wide at its widest and it's 30 feet long and there are two windows on either end and a very dark kitchen in the middle. And John walked in and it was so modern when we walked in, it had just been renovated and John walked in and he's like, this is it. This is Abuela's nest. And he loved that from the window, you could see the dispatch. You could see the salon, you could see the bodega and the idea of nest of a nest in a community of the place where people go when they need comfort and support and to be pushed on and encouraged and, and for the wisdom of the elders was really an important theme in the movie. And, and so that, that, that apartment, we wanted to have this warmth and, and heart to it. And, um, and we're very lucky we ended up finding it right there, even though, even though it was challenging to shoot in such a small space for, we, we, I think there's, the opening is shot, uh, part of the opening number shot there. Blackout, Alabanza, and Champagne are all shot there, and then part of the finale. So you've got, and, and, and a couple of those musical numbers have almost our entire cast in them, and it's really a small space. Yeah, can you tell, I mean, again, from a gear and crew perspective, like how do you plan around shooting in there? And what camera did you shoot on? We shot on the Panavision DXL2 with anamorphic G-series lenses. And we, we, from, uh, I mean, there's, it was tricky because you had to walk through someone else's apartment on the ground floor level to get to the backyard to access, to put to a very, I call it a backyard, a very small courtyard to put our lights out the back windows in the Abuela's bedroom. And then you and then we had lifts on the front side of the apartment with an M or with um, an 18K Arimax and an 18K Fresnel. That was usually on a lift outside the window for the day work. And and then inside we just hid little light gear products, light mats, um, mainly in the kitchen, just because that space was so dark. But it, I mean, it, it, it there was no place for gear in the apartment. Everything had to be rigged into the ceiling or or from outside. Yeah, so you use a lot of practical inside, like replacing practical sources. 
Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, blackout is done. Is there's no electricity, so we couldn't use practical sources. So yeah, that's what did you lit. do there? We put some lights in the ceiling, very low at forty five thousand degree Kelvin, and dimmed like to the very bottom percentage. And so we just had a teeny bit of ambience, and then everything else for blackout is lit with double wick candles, and then iPhones that we turned up or we turned up facing up and we put john and i one night um there's this huge thunderstorm before we shot shot that number and and we were someone from locations told us or the ad team told us to go inside of whale's apartment and so we're in a dark apartment and it was lynn me kiara john and the and the mccall the set photographer sitting inside with this massive thunderstorm going on outside and john and i turned on our cell phones and then we started wandering around Abuela's apartment looking for beautiful pieces of glass in different colors. And that's what the salon ladies do when, when they come into the apartment during blackout and they light the apartment with their cell phones and these beautiful little pieces of glass that Abuela's collected over her lifetime. Yeah. It's really cool. Also just the contrast again to all this summer heat look. (laughs) that's really bright and like, I don't want to say blown out. It's not that, but how do you shoot and capture heat the way you did? I mean, I'm I'm assuming it was probably pretty hot now that I know you were really there. Assuming it was actually hot. So, but this, there's something about the visual nature that, that it goes beyond like a tint or a blown out, whatever people look like. It just looks hot. I don't know how to put it. Like what, what tools do you use to do that? So summer in Washington Heights is different than anywhere else that I've ever been in the world. The light is different. It's not a tropical summer. It's not a Hawaii summer. It's not a Los Angeles summer. It's very specific. And it's not actually even a Manhattan summer. I called it urban summer while we were shooting there, but it's actually more specific than that. It's a Washington Heights summer. The buildings (laughs) are lower than they are in most of the rest of Manhattan. They aren't there's very little red brick. There's lots of this sort of gray, silvery, beautifully patinaed brick that when the sun hits it, it creates this beautiful, cool shadow or cool, just like this coolness that uh, bouncing off of the building. And, and then you've got the very, very warm sun. So we've got these cool shadows in this warm sun that we played with or that, that exists in Washington Heights. There's also two huge bodies of water on either side of Washington Heights. It's a very narrow tip of Manhattan. And so you've got that you can walk across it in like five minutes or something. It's very, it's very, you can go from the river to river very easily. And so um, you also have these two reflecting pools. And so I think the light there's just different and summer feels different there. And when we first started coloring the movie, doing the digital intermediate on the movie, you know, a year after we shot it, it was, it that was the conversation I had with the colorist because I really, really wanted it to feel like the summer I had had in New York. I didn't, I didn't want it to just like be injected with warm, this yellowy, warm, orangey thing because that's what people think hot. You need to make it feel hot, it, because that's not what that's not summer in Washington Heights. And so um, we started coloring Carnival first. And because I knew if we got the color right in that scene, then the rest would fall into place. And, and it did. I mean, I, it, the, the color in the movie and the feeling I, I get when I watch it is the same feeling I had when I was there. And I want, I want people when they see the movie, I want them to 
be able to taste the tastes and smell the smells and hear the sounds. And I want it to be a visceral experience that comes from the images and, and, and not to think about it, but just a real visceral experience. It, it, Definitely does. I'm not just saying that. Um, I'm not the only person who thinks that. Uh, and I don't, I've talked to multiple people who say that. And yeah, there's something definitely visceral and, and uh, sense oriented about the experience of it. And it's amazing, especially because you keep thinking when you're watching it, like this was a stage performance. So this was something they created for this experience. A lot of it feels like it's a marriage between also production design and photography. How closely did you work with the art department? What did you, where were the collaborations or what were those conversations like? Or did you see the things they were doing and think, oh, that's something I really want to feature because of how much it captures that look and feel? Yeah. I, so this was the second project in a row I did with the production designer, Nelson Coates. And we have an amazing collaboration together. He is fantastic and so detail oriented and every single thing in the movie is curated. And he, he, and the research that he does. And so when I got to New York, he was there, he had gone in there maybe a week before I did. And we, um, and he brought me up to his room and started showing me pictures. And, and at this point, like we've done a project together, we trust each other, we get along really well. And, but we hadn't started in the Heights yet. And this was a different, a different beast than our TV series. And, um, but, and then I would show him my images and actually costume, the costume designer, Mitchell Travers as well, who was also in Vancouver with us. He, the three of us just really were in sync on the visuals and we share things like I would go to, I would go and sit in the costume department, which was not where near where our production, um, production offices were, where my office and Nelson's were, I would go down to his um, the costume department and he would walk me through the crazy amounts of costumes on the movie. And just, just so that I would start to get a sense of what the colors were going to be way before we started shooting. And, and he would send me pictures, but does it get overwhelming? Never... Cause like just thinking about the visual world, just thinking about all the colors people were wearing or all the different outfits and all the, like, did it get, was it was it overwhelming? I guess that's my question. No, it's just like part of your toolkit, right? Like that, it's part of the color palette, and and to like for all of us to be immersed in that together, it's 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 wonderful to to. I love when I love when all the departments work together the way that the three of us work together. Like when when you have when you have you know your creative team really in sync and and wanting to share ideas. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, filmmaking is a team effort and when it works, it's magnificent. And this was, this was definitely a magnificent experience. Yeah. That's fun to hear. It's always nice to hear that version of it. It feels like there was fun being had when you watch it. Sometimes you can kind of tell you, John and Nelson, um, all come from, you know, different places, backgrounds and not from Washington Heights and Lynn, and Kiara, who, you know, the original sort of the book book and music by are from Washington Heights. Was there a bit of a like trepidation with the culture, with the place? Maybe trepidation is the wrong word. How did you carefully approach like, hey, we want to be true to this. We want to be honest to what this place is like and what the experience for people there is. 
and we're not from there. You know, how did you, uh, how did you guys tackle that? Did you talk about it? Like, what was the process like? So I grew up in New York City till I was 10 and I lived in a neighborhood before it was gentrified and it, and it was and it was a Puerto Rican neighborhood and an Italian neighborhood and so but I I got to I grew up living in New York in a place pre-gentrified So you knew this story in a, just from a different location you knew this Yeah experience. I mean I, I mean each neighborhood is so so different so I can't say I knew it exactly but I I have a take, I, I, you know, I know I played in the fire hydrants when I was a kid. I would like, I would go to my corner bodega and get, you know, a pickle and uh, a a quarter water. And there was a community. I lived in a walk-up apartment in a tenement building. Everyone in my building was Italian except for us. And, and the smells of the Italian food and, 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 and the 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 women, the older women, being such a wonderful resource to the younger people, and you know, we, my sister and I would walk up our steps, and on apartment two, Rose and Mary were sisters, and they lived there, and we would all they, their door was always open, and we could go in anytime we wanted, and we lived in this three hundred square foot apartment. I mean, it was it was a it was a but, but, and you're in the middle of New York city, but there was so much community there. And so I, I had that sense of community in the middle of a very big city. So I could, I could bring that feeling from my childhood for sure. And uh, it's, it's different. It's not the same. It, the Washington Heights is its own wonderful, amazing place, but, but the community, the idea of community that seems to be disappearing from so many communities it still exists in Washington Heights, and and um, and so so I could definitely identify with the story. Nina's Nina to me is the character I identified most with when I first read the script. But it's about dreams. I mean, I think I think I think anyone can relate to the movie. And it, and what's fascinating to me is I've done something like forty interviews, and each reporter or each person I talk to wants to like it has something different that they connect with and I think it's because you've got you've got 12 main characters and each one has a different dream so as an audience member you can sort of latch on to to what what character you identify with what dream you identify with yeah that's uh it's interesting that you could say you know oh I actually have like like you said well said. It's not exactly the same, you know. It's it's New York. It's a neighborhood that's getting gentrified, but it's not. It's every neighborhood is unique, um, and every time in a neighborhood is unique. Neighborhoods change so much, just decade to decade. Got New York in the last twenty, thirty years has transformed a few times, I think, and certainly little pockets of it. But still, you had a touchstone. You had somewhere you could go, and it seems like that informed you. Does is that like, you know, in this instance, that's something that was there. Do you feel like it's hard if you don't have that? Or how do you find that as a creative, you know, even going beyond in the heights? Say you came to a project like this and you're like, I can't relate to this part of it. Where do you try to find your avenue creatively? I think I've been lucky because I have been able to identify, at least in recent years, been able to identify with the material that I've been working with. I've got a six-year-old daughter now and I've been trying to figure out, people ask me, you know, my agent or whoever asks me what kind of 
projects I want to be doing next. And, and it's not a genre. It's not, um, it's not a specific story that I want to tell, but it is something I, I want to make movies that will inspire her that are worth telling children. They're, they don't have to cater to children, but, but, but that won't, you know, inspire her maybe five, 10 years from now, but, but, but that has something to say about the world. And, and so I think anytime I want to do a project, I, I identify with it in some way, you know, whether it's my childhood or, or a message or a character, I think, I, I don't think I'd want to make a movie unless, unless I had a personal Unless you could find that avenue to connect to it. Well, just on that subject, my six-year-old son is obsessed with the movie. Oh, great. <laughs> he loves it. He, watch, he wants to watch it over and over. I'm not joking. He likes to listen to the soundtrack. So when I told him, I was like, you know, I'm going to talk to somebody who who shot it. And then he was like, pulled it up and he was like, I want to talk about this part and I want you to talk about this part. And I was like, okay, well, some of that is special <laughs> effects. So it's not necessarily, he really likes uh, when they're walking to the pool and there's the animation. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, <laughs> but, good. I'm um, glad but, he likes that. But I do think like, you know, as a parent and just as a person in this world, one of the things that's great about this movie is it's a, you know, dynamic, immersive experience, but it's exposing people to different kinds of people, different kinds of cultures. And I think that, you know, it's it's cool that a group of people who a diverse group put it together and not all the same as the culture represented. Yeah, I mean, I mean. John Chu is uh, his, you know, his parents are Chinese and, um, and he has his own first generation American story. Uh, I, I think, I think it's, I, I think we all have, there's different, everyone comes from different backgrounds. Nelson's from Texas. I'm from New York. John's from San, uh, the Bay area. I mean, that's what's so amazing about film and movies and is that so many people from all different, all different walks of life are able to come together and create something. And, you know, it's a very much a circus life that we live. I I, I go from movie to movie and city to city and you work really intensely and creatively with wonderful, wonderful people all over the world. And then you leave and you don't know when the next time you're going to see them. And I mean, that happened on In the Heights. We all left and we, we didn't know it was going to be two years before our movie came out. We didn't know what was about to hit us with COVID. And so at the premiere at Tribeca 10 days ago on the, what was the yellow carpet, we all, I mean, it was just this complete love fest among the cast and the crew because we hadn't. I, we've all been in touch, or, you know, different people have been, stayed in touch, but, but you haven't seen each other face to face and then getting to share your movie with each other. And that we all spent 49 days in, you know, in, in New York city filming. It's pretty in 2019, it was pretty, it's an amazing special group of people and, and our diverse backgrounds, I think, add to that story. Yeah, I mean, there's so much about the last year, but the timing of this release and it being a summer release and it being in theaters and things starting to open up a little bit, there was something very celebratory about it. It was nice. It was a really nice movie to have be. I think one of our staff writers at No Film School even tweeted, he was like, perfect movie to go back to the movies with. <laughs> Feels like a celebration. And I, I, I want to end, but I want to ask again, like you mentioned at the beginning, 
being around Fred Astaire a lot growing up. I was too. My mother never stopped watching Fred Astaire. Loves all of it. And classic (laughs) movies are a big part of my life. But I just want to know more about the way the inspiration of musical history, the great musicals, the ones you love that you would recommend to people that had a real influence on you, that inspire you, just for to add to people's watch list, if nothing else. <laughs> sure. Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies, Swing Time, Gate of Warsay, and Top Hat are like my three top favorites. But movies in general, and just like, like when we watched a lot of classic New York movies while we were making, or while we were prepping in the Heights, because that was, I, you know, there was an aspiration to make a classic New York movie about a, a neighborhood that doesn't hasn't really been represented in New York before. And so we watched uh, Do the Right Thing, Searching for Bobby Fischer, Moonstruck. Those three are top movies that I watch all the time. But then just personally, the two movies that have inspired me the most in my life are The Natural and The Black Stallion, both shot by Caleb Deschanel. And I would watch those movies when I was, I don't know, three, four, five in my dad's arms. And they are just still to this day, my top two favorite, most beautiful movies. Of all and they did watching those movies when you were a kid with your dad, is that kind of, did you have this, like, I want to make movies or I want to shoot the beautiful photography or like what, what something spoke to you about that? When I close my eyes and think about the movie, I, I just see light. I see the, these sort of refracted particles of light. And, and, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't, when I was five, I definitely didn't know I wanted to be a DP. I, I knew when I was 15, but, but at five, I just got to watch amazing movies with my dad. And That's my really mom. cool. Have you ever met Caleb? Have, I mean, he went to USC too. He's like one of the OG USC's. I had never met him at all. And um, yeah, no, I would love to meet him one day. That's very cool. Yeah, no, he's amazing. And, and you're, you're amazing. And it's, I, I'm sure he's a fan because having seen this, I like, it really does jump out at you, the visual the way the movie looks, the, sh- the way the, the natural light, the way you crafted the light of the space and hearing you talk about it, particularly like where you wanted to be or what locations you wanted to use, it, it's very informative. So thank you so much for doing this. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, George. This was wonderful. So thank you for including me. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. Thanks to Alice Brooks for coming on the podcast. Be sure to check out In the Heights. It's streaming on HBO Max and it is in theaters. Head over to nofilmschool.com. Check out our gear guide. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. You'll see a section in the footer for gear guides. If you're looking to buy gear or compare things, that's a great place to do it. Please make sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you like or don't like about what we're doing. Leave a comment. Send questions for our weekly podcast, which drops Thursdays every single week at editor at nofilmschool.com. We love your questions. It helps us make this show better for you. And of course, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, all that good stuff. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.